Welcome to Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And man, we are about to get real fancy. <laughs> we are over here at Raymond James Stadium in the control room. This is where they control everything that happens in the stadium on game day, on all the video boards, all the sound you hear, everything. And now they are helping us take Buccaneers Insider Live to the next level. So now we're going to have graphics. We're going to have video for you guys. And still, as always, we're going to be taking your Facebook questions. So make sure you submit those now on the Buccaneers Facebook page in the comment section. That's where you can leave it for us to find for the end of the show. So as we give people a chance to start submitting some of those, uh, some big news, of course, happened yesterday. So Chris Godwin franchise tagged. First of all, just tell me your thoughts on that, what that means for this team and, and that decision. Well, clearly somewhere along the lines as we headed up to free agency, uh, the team decided they just could not bear losing Chris Godwin. And you can understand why if you just watch a couple of our games because he's just so integral to the offense in every way. But, you know, yesterday at 4 p.m. Eastern time was the deadline for that franchise tag to be placed. And the Bucks pretty much went right up to the deadline. And what that tells you is there was an effort to try to keep Chris Godwin on a long-term deal, which I'm sure both sides would love if they can come to the right terms. But here's the thing that's important to realize. Getting the franchise tag, putting, placing the franchise tag on Chris does not end the does not necessarily end negotiations until he signs it until or if he signs it you can continue to negotiate with him so basically it's just extending your exclusive window and hopefully that's what happens i think both sides would like to see it get there and if that's the case then all the franchise tag did was extend that window and the i guess the only reason you'd try to get it done before the four o'clock deadline was if maybe you wanted to use the franchise tag on a different player but we didn't hear any rumors of that in the first place so i think this is just a pretty good turn of events overall and it, it A, speaks to how much they value Chris Godwin, but then also maybe to your point that it means they're confident about getting long-term deals with a lot of the other free agents they Hopefully. would care a lot about as compared to feeling like, oh my gosh, we need to use this franchise tag. There's all these people yeah. that are going to need this. And yeah. Well, so, yeah. well, Bruce Arians said at the combine that he doesn't like the word rebuild. I don't think they feel like they're in a rebuild, even though obviously you have to come up with a new answer. <clears throat> at the most important position right. with Tom Brady's retirement. But this is a team that still believes it's very talented in many ways. And, yeah, you were talking about all the different free agents that the Buccaneers have. Uh, Chris Godwin, fortunately, is no longer on that list. But you see another, what is that, 10 guys who, playoffs included, started at least 10 games for the Buccaneers last year, including two of the five starting offensive linemen. And that's without even listing Ali Marpet, who has retired. So there's a lot of work to do then. But getting back to Chris Godwin for a second, uh, I said briefly that he was integral to the offense and that's that's the thing that makes him so valuable you, you know you're already spending quite a bit of money on your other starting receiver who's fantastic and the best offensive player in team history and Mike Evans so to spend another very large amount on another receiver isn't necessarily common but the, he does so much for the Bucks since Bruce Arians got here and emphasized using Chris Godwin out of the slot he has had he's been one of the most productive players in the entire league as you can see here just working out of the slot that's yards per game in his last three years while in the slot. And that's not all that Chris Godwin does. He right. works on the outside as well. About 53% of his snaps last year were in, were in the slot. But he also produced a total of 98 catches even after missing the last three games. And then also, it goes even beyond that because the Bucks run the ball a lot better when Chris Godwin was on the field. We've all seen plenty of times our coaches talk about how important he is to the blocking schemes. And I'm not just talking about you know holding up corners on the outside. He'll line up tight. He'll come in motion, line up tight. He'll block a defensive end. He'll block an outside linebacker. And look at this. 
when Chris, this is according to NFL Next Gen stats. When Chris Godwin has been on the field the last two years, our running backs have averaged 4.5 yards per carry. When he's not in there, 3.7. That's a big difference. That is. So you can see incredible. why he's so important to yeah. the offense. Yeah, and I think that is one of the most <coughs> underrated aspects of it, and oh, for sure. and also speaks so much to Godwin's um, character that yeah. he is the kind of guy that will do whatever is asked of him, and that is a coach's dream, and why it is not just about hey. He can catch that football, which he can. Mm -hmm. He makes this team better in every way and also is just such a pillar of the locker room and in the community. Yeah. I mean, he's just, they, they say that it's almost like if you could build an NFL player, Chris Godwin is he, what you he's want. He's everything you want in a player. And like you said, coaches like to use the phrase, he'll put his face in the fan. <laughs> that means he'll get in there and block a defensive yes. end if he has. He's not just going to cut, you know, yeah, play patty cut. He's yeah. going to actually put his face in the fan and try to block that guy. That's amazing. Well, we also were at the Combine <coughs> last week, so we wanted to chat a little bit about that. We did do an insider live from the Combine where we talked a little bit more about it. But uh, there was one thing in particular that happened after we had done our insider live that you wanted to bring up, and that was the, uh, the big man that got a lot <laughs> of attention based on his stats. Well, there were two basic themes throughout the week. One of them was that the receivers ran incredibly fast. There's a ton of fast receivers available this year, but also every player from Georgia was an absolute star. I mean, Georgia's defense, if you watch any college football, is obviously the best defense in all of football, all of college football last year. And now a bunch of those guys are in the draft and they all just blew away the combine. But most of all, there's usually at least one guy who's like the total star of the combine. That guy this year was their defensive lineman, the Georgia defensive lineman, Jordan Davis, who absolutely blew away uh, the 40-yard the dash, the bench press. But it made me think about just a couple of years ago when everybody was saying the same thing about Vita Vea. And if you look at these numbers from their, their combines, they're pretty close. I mean, the, Vita's actually bigger, or was at the time. Uh, he, he actually did more bench press reps than Jordan Davis, who tied for the league th this year among all players with 32. And look, Vita did 41. Jeez. Now, Jordan Davis clearly was faster. But even for uh, the size that Vita is, 5.10 is a great 40-yard dash, yeah. really open eyes at the time. So now look at Jordan Davis, almost the same size, running a 4.76. I mean, that's about what Jerry Rice ran at his combine. That it's incredible. There's a, there's a couple of running backs at this year's combine that ran the same thing. So the guy's 340 pounds, and he's running like a running back. That's incredible. And it does make <coughs> you remember how fortunate we are to have Vita Vea. And thankfully that his name is not on the free agent list right. and there's a deal we know that name won't be on the list for a while for we got that years, deal yeah. with him which is really great all right well we are going to turn our attention now to your facebook questions so again if you haven't submitted that yet make sure you do on the buccaneers facebook page in the comments section so our first one is from zachary and look at how fancy we are we can even put it up all on right. the screen look at this what about Fournette? well that's straight to the point yeah very to the point i appreciate <laughs> that well he was on that list we showed so he's definitely a, a free agent that the buccaneers have to decide what they're going to do with you know, he played last year after he sort of had a little career renaissance when he got cut by the Jaguars, came to the Bucks right before the season, didn't really take over the lead role from Ronald Jones most of the year. Then Ronald Jones had some injury and COVID issues at the end, and he got the lead role at the end. It was just an absolute monster in the playoffs and probably thought there was going to be more of a market for him last year in free agency, but it never really materialized. So he came back with a one-year deal with the Bucks and showed that his stuff in the playoffs the year before wasn't a fluke. He became a very important part of this offense. So the Buccaneers obviously have to um, really think hard about how hard they're going to try to go after Leonard Fournette. And it'll be interesting to, ugh, interesting to see. It's too fancy in here. That's what it's it is. It's overwhelming. Mixed. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see if, um, if there is more of a market for his services this year. And if there ever really is going to be big market for running backs again. You know, you see a big contract every now and then. Usually 
like a Christian McCaffrey with the team that they're already on. Um, you don't really see a lot of guys hit it big in free agency at the running back position. But, you know, he's still in his prime. He's, he's I think, five, four or five years into his career. Uh, he probably deserves a pretty good contract. We'll see if the Buccaneers can make it work out. I've always thought that was so interesting that the conventional wisdom always said that it was bad to draft a running back so high because you can find them later or then the idea of the free agent part. But it's like, man, if, if you don't feel like that second you know contract is as reliable for running backs maybe you should just go after them in the draft that it's just an interesting thing of all the ways that our views of how to find a good running mm -hmm. back and how much value to place in it either in the draft or in free agency is so interesting yeah i think you could probably do a strategy like that as a team it's just as long as you can at least sort of hit you could draft a first or second running round running back every four years and just plan on not having the second contract with that guy yeah but it gets a little more difficult when that guy has performed for you really well right and you see well he really fits into our offense he he does a lot of things well that we want to do and yeah, if we don't resign him, we got to find another guy right so, and that's uh, that is a lot easier said than done all right our next question uh where did it go here we go all right robert wants to know are we trying to keep kappa and jensen I would think I would think so for sure, and especially now that Ali Marpet is retired, and and those two things may go hand in hand. You know, there there are some cap and cash savings with Ali's retirement, and that could make it easier for the Buccaneers to try to bring Alex Kappa and or Ryan Jensen back. But you know, at the combine, both Bruce Arians and Jason Light really stressed how important it is to keep the offensive line strong, and they felt like they have some pieces. Uh, that can do that even if you lose, well, you did lose Ali Marpet, even if you lose another one of these guys or both of them, they got some options, but they stressed how important it is to keep that offensive line strong. So when you look at that free agent list that was just up on the screen, you know, I have the top two guys on that. Now it's ranked by, it's ordered by how many starts they did last year, but you see the first two names up there are offensive linemen, and I could see the Buccaneers looking the same way at their list and, and putting it in the same order because that's a top priority. Yeah, absolutely. All right, our next one is from Richard. He says, out of all the other free agents, I think he means outside of Godwin, who is the most important to re-sign? Well, I think Jensen would be a big one. Can we see the list again so I can be reminded? Um, Jensen or Kappa? Uh, I, you know, Jordan Whitehead had a really, really nice year last year. And, um, and he's become one of the best safeties around the line of scrimmage you know and in the box kind of safety a real enforcer whenever he's close to the line of scrimmage he makes an impact almost all the time uh i would hate to lose him uh, although there is some depth at safety with mike edwards and then carlton davis the important number for him there is that 12. he missed seven games last year and, and he's had trouble playing a full season he's had some injury issues and at the combine both bruce arians and jason light praised him for being a very good player, but they both did mention he's like, he's a, he's a really good player when he's on the field. You know, he's, he's had some injury issues and that has to be factored in. But on the other hand, you have a cornerback when he is on the field uh, has been mentioned as Bruce Arians has mentioned, him, he thinks he's one of the best corners in the league. So, you know, you got the two issues there, how good he is, but how available he is. And, but he's still an important player in our defense. Okay. Well, we will close out with this one. <coughs> Esai said, oh, I've clicked the wrong one somehow. <laughs> we're not doing happened. that. Sorry, there we go, send. <laughs> we're not going to do that or get Russell well, Wilson. Well, I don't know what's happening, but we're having uh, our first technical issues well, of the I mean, day. It was our first try. I know. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Esai, it, right? Yeah, I can just eat it. I can just read it here. Esai said, what are the top needs in the draft, or are we going for best player available? Well, uh, Bruce has said, Bruce Arians has said that they're in position to go for best player available, and really they were in that position last year remember when we re-signed everybody had all the starters and, and regulars back from the championship team and uh, you really could have the luxury of picking like uh, def a defensive end even though you already have two or outside linebacker even though you already have two starters there taking a quarterback in the second round those were what you might call luxury picks 
I don't know if we're in the exact same position this year. So I think when you when it comes down to it, I pick 27 if that's where we stay, that it will be best player available, sort of. Best player available at a position that the Buccaneers could probably use some help at. And the, the most obvious one now is is the inside of the interior line of the offensive line with Allie's retirement and not only Kappa and Jensen, but also Aaron Stinney, potential unrestricted free agents. We talked a lot about how we're hoping to get all those guys back, but it's not a guarantee. So you could end up needing to replace anywhere from one to three starters between your two tackles. And, and that obviously makes it something that should probably be uh, uh, addressed in the draft. Other than that, I would also look at maybe running back if Leonard Fournette doesn't come back, and cornerback if Carlton Davis doesn't come back, and even if Carlton Davis does come back, uh, you, you know what I'm going to say. Never you, enough You can never get enough good, and we saw that again last year. We had so much trouble with the injuries. Yeah, last year very much made you look uh, like a little Nostradamus <laughs> there, saying there's never enough. Yeah, you're signing guys off the street, and then they're getting hurt. Yeah. And, um, so, cornerback, if you could get a cornerback at the end of the, the first round, I would never complain about that. You'll find a way to use that guy. Absolutely. All right, well, that is going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live, presented by Miller Lite. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week.